Thanks for tuning in and checking out the final draft Great Conversations podcast. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week on Sydney's 2SER 107.3, I get together with authors and writers to explore extraordinary works of fiction. Great Conversations is the product of that exploration, where I'll be featuring far-reaching discussions about the latest in fiction from Australia and the world. In this, our first episode, I'm joined in conversation by Bram Presser. Bram's 2017 work of historical fiction, The Book of Dirt, has garnered enormous acclaim of late, taking out the Christina Stead Award at the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards. The Book of Dirt takes us to Prague on the eve of war to explore Bram's grandparents' tale of survival, and it parallels Bram's own search for the history that his grandfather spoke so little of. So sit back and discover your next favourite read, or perhaps some of the secrets of a beloved book. This is Final Draft, and I'm Andrew Popel. I'm joined on the line right now by Bram Presser. Bram's debut novel is The Book of Dirt. It's a story of family imagining his grandparents' experience of occupied Prague and subsequent deportation into a concentration camp throughout the Second World War. Bram, welcome to the show. I've... I thoroughly enjoyed the book of dirt, and I really am. I'm, I'm excited to be talking to you about it. Oh, thanks, Andrew. Very, uh, you know, excited to be here. So, the book of dirt unfolds the story of your grandfather Jacob Rand moving to Prague from the country, and on the cusp of establishing his life, the city is occupied by the invading Nazi army. And your grandparents' experience in the, their survival of war was not something that I got the sense that you fully understood growing up. No. No, so I mean, they they never spoke about it, right? Mm. So there, there, there was essentially two two types of survivors: those, those mm. who were willing to talk and those who weren't. And, you know, pretty typical uh, response to trauma. But they, mm. they never they never told their stories. They uh, they sort of let this myth of of what had happened uh, grow around them. And it was that he was just a, he was a teacher. He was a teacher in in Prague. Then he was when he went to Theresa and started. He was he taught. Jewish kids there, and then in uh, in Auschwitz as well. And uh, my grandmother, who you know, she, she was this incredible, um, just powerhouse of a woman, and who we once saw carrying a fridge through the back garden. Um, you know, we, her story was that she laid uh, sleeper uh, rail sleeper tracks for the trains that were, would bring the Jews into the camps. And um, and and that was that was pretty much all we knew, and we just accepted it. They never confirmed or denied it. Um, and then. They died in 1996, about six weeks apart from one another. Yeah. And uh, about three years after they had died, an article was published purporting to tell my grandfa- grandfather's uh, story. And that story was that he was, in fact, the literary curator of Hitler's Museum of the Forgotten uh, of the Extinct Race. And uh, and I, I was I was blown away. And so I, I I needed to know the story. So I set off on trying to find what his story was, and that led me. To her story as well, and actually, and the story of uh, my great grandmother, her mother, who, uh, like to me, was probably the hero of the book, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, it was just this incredible experience of of tracking down these these scraps and fragments and and photos and records, and you know, none of which was told a complete story, and um, and engaging with them, trying to 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 imagine their experience. Yeah, the Book of Dirt, it's really two stories. We've, we have your grandfather's, his journey to Prague, his survival of the war, and the, I guess the, the very beginnings of, of what is your extended family, your, you here today. But there's yes. also your story, searching out the links and the evidence of this past. When did you know that you would become a character in your book? Uh, the, the answer is, I, I never did. I, I, I just, uh, like, I was writing my experiences 
to document it, uh, just so that I would have uh, for myself, really, uh, an idea of of where I had been, what I had done, uh, and because there were some pretty you know, strange encounters along the way, and I, I wanted them documented. And also, I, I was never actually sure what the book was going to be. I mm. didn't know. Firstly, I didn't know whether it'd be a book. Secondly, I didn't know whether it would just be, you know, a, a, a I suppose a quest narrative of a grandson trying to find his uh, grandparents' story, or whether it was going to be a reimagination of their stories, which became much more, uh, I suppose, a focus of the book when it became apparent that every single door that I found into their lives was just slamming shut in my face. So, you know, I, I, I turned to the fiction side uh, and trying to kind of inhabit their lives that way and understand their experience that way from the fragments that I, I could kind of piece together. Um, and at that point, I actually thought that my story was completely irrelevant um, mm. then. And then I actually realized that really the story is the interplay between my search and my reimagining of their, of their stories. That unfolding is so essential, and it was so essential to my reading. Um, it's interesting. I mean, look, I, your, your grandfather or your grandparents' story is compelling, but it's really the way it plays against your attempt to discover it that brings so much resonance. And, of course, this is a work of historical fiction. Yes. Um, it's your family, though, in their lives that populate the novel. How essential was it that you could inhabit that space but then also create did you feel free to realize the action or did you found bound by feel bound I by actually did. i actually really I, I was almost i suppose energized by by having a document of my search to find the stories where i could sow the seeds for what i could then explore in a in a bit more kind of depth uh, on a human level in the fictional side yeah and so i was able to to i suppose also Take parts of, of particularly of the of, of the the anecdotes I was told by uh, people who knew them before the war, or or my cousin in in, in Prague who had heard some stories from my great grandmother and, and what have you. There were there were bits of the story that I I wouldn't really be able to work into the quest narrative, but they actually were incredible stories. So uh, like one just offhand is um, that my grandmother was, was sending letters back from the concentration camps to her mm. mother in, in, in Prague, um, her mother not being um, Jewish. And what, one of them was intercepted in Auschwitz. Mm. And, uh, and, and a, a, an SS commander brought her um, in front of the, you know, in front of the, the, the um, roll call and made a girl who was just selected out of the crowd read the letter. And the letter, she basically... This girl who didn't know my grandmother mm. basically lied about what the letter said to save my grandmother's life. And so little stories like that I wanted in the book, but they, they didn't really fit the quest narrative. So I actually was, I had this great, I don't know, abundance of, of little legends and scraps that, that made a, the, the, the fictional narrative for me really interesting to write and, and also gave me essentially waypoints that I could, uh, that I could peg uh, along with the quest narrative, so that so that they kind of worked in tandem. Yeah, and that sorry that scene was particularly moving in the book. That that story that you just related, and it got, you you had me thinking the whole time about this need to tell stories, to remember and tell them both as personal history, but also the role that they play to inspire and give hope. Uh, and the, the emer this emerges as themes throughout the book of dirt. But I wonder for you, um, 
in your quest, but also I guess your your family and their experience of this story, how important it is to to reconstruct and flesh out a narrative from the records of the past. I mean, you were incredibly frustrated in your search to find yeah. true record. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, the, the reality is that for the, the, the vast majority of the time, I spent eight years writing this, and for the vast majority of that time, I could find nothing. And I, <laughs> I was well into the fictional narrative when a whole lot of things just opened up. I, I got an email from a 94-year-old guy in, uh, in London who, who happened to be my grandfather's student during the occupation, and he'd heard about my quest, and he wanted to get in touch because he's been spending, since his retirement, um, his life trying to piece together what happened to all of the students in his class photo, which is in the book. Um, and the only person he couldn't find records of was my grandfather. So, uh, you know, so I had kind of things like that. Uh, I think, you know, the other thing that, that was really kind of important to me is I actually kind of, uh, and, and it, it sounds almost uh, trite, but I sort of liked bringing them back. Mm. I, I felt that, you know, I, I, I could hang out with them again. Like, I was incredibly close with my grandparents. Mm. And, um, and it, it, I feel sort of half guilty in, in the sense that I, I was able to bring them back in my mind and then put them through incredible trauma. Um, and that was actually incredible. <laughs> that was really difficult to do. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I felt this incredible need to just know them, um, having now understood that I really didn't know them, even though I was close with them. Um, it, it's a very strange feeling, having you know, people you love die, feeling that you've been very close with them, and later finding out that you, you, you literally you knew nothing about their lives. And so, for me, the book was a means of of finally knowing these people I loved. Yeah, it's interesting the way the way you evoked that. There, I was actually having a conversation this morning with um with one of your your text. Do we say stablemates when you're in a publishing house? Deal, um, Stuart Kells in his book, uh, the library has just been released. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and I I felt the need to talk about your book in relation to that. But we we both <laughs> now we're even. <laughs> yeah, but he we were talking about, or he was talking particularly about how, in a digital world, we have this this threat or promise that we're going to be able to encode ourselves and and come to life in computers. But that books have been doing this for as long as there has been print. That we encode not just characters, but pieces of the author and 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 parts of the history. And it felt felt like what you were evoking there that in some way your grandparents are in this book and that part of their story that you, you had to discover is in this book. Yes, I, I, I think so. Like, look, you know, at the end of the day, when, you know, when you write, you are, you know, you're, you're creating, and this is, this is also why the, the dirt as a, uh, as the metaphor also worked very strongly or resonated very strongly with me. You know, you, you are creating, you're creating them from the clay of words, you know, and, and you know, the, the Gollum story is very, very, uh, important in the book as well mm. and so you know you build them from from clay you breathe you breathe life into them with words um and it, and it is true like it is I, I want to leave a lasting document of their existence um mm. and you know i want to know that they were that they will live on beyond me um it's just i don't know whether it's a you know a kind of a grandson's kind of feeling of 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 there's a gratitude to it of, of, mm. of you know what they endured so that I actually exist, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel that I owe it 
to them to ensure that their existence isn't forgotten. You just mentioned there, um, and your treatment of the Gollum story really, really interested me in in the way you you sort of brought it into the Book of Dirt. Now, I, this is probably uh, out of my own curiosity as much as anything. But as you were as you were realizing that part of your your grandfather's experience in, um, am I pronouncing this right? Theresienstadt. 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 Um, and you brought the Golem story into the Book of Dirt. Did you feel like you were skirting around the edges of, of magical realism type oh, yeah. writing? Very, very much so. And it was actually a conscious decision for a couple of reasons. Firstly, like for me, like I love fables. I love magical realism. Mm. It's, it's actually my favorite form. Mm. Right? Um, but secondly, I also wanted to make it incredibly clear that this was a novel, mm. that I wasn't claiming to be telling their actual stories as if it were fact, mm. right? And so I thought that, you know, I had this double opportunity, one, one to, uh, to actually enjoy writing in a form that I love, right? Um, but also to um, make it very, very clear that I, I wasn't an imposter trying to pass off some sort of, you know, made-up story as, uh, as, as, as fact. It struck me, though, that there was a very real sense, as, as you'd evoked this world for me, that the magical realism was there, but that the interpretation that was put on those events in the story, and I'm, I'm really skirting hard around spoilers here, because it's a, <laughs> it's a wonderful thing to have emerge in the book. It was also a very natural response to this horrific, unnatural situation. It's a, it's a miracle anyone survived. And that, Absolutely. And that an individual could put some sort of... Uh, supernatural interpretation on any event seems entirely natural to me in the circumstances. Well, I think also that, like you know, what 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 I, what I was also trying to trying to do, I suppose, with with, with the magical realism is I never actually, I never I never actually give the answer of whether or not the mm. golem's there. You know, um, I, I wanted to keep it. It was almost <laughs> it's a strange uh, it's a strange strange pop cultural reference, but to me it was the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Where you yep. know it, they open it up, it's got the glow, but you never know what's in there. You mm. never know, you know the reality of it, um, whether it is something great, whether it's whatever something that you know a light. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, with the with the golem uh, in this, I I, I, would, I didn't want it to become a fully magical realist uh, story, but mm. I, I wanted the possibility where the reader engages with it and thinks. Yeah, you know, this, this, the magical side of it could actually be the correct interpretation. And I think, and it's exactly, exactly as you said, and, and as a, like a survivor kind of said to me, uh, it, it, survival was impossible. Like survival, the, the fact that people survived defies logic. Mm. Um, and so therefore, to add a magical realist element to it almost seems natural. Mm. One of the, Probably the most compelling part of the Book of Dirt is this idea of a museum of the extinct race that your your grandfather was, uh, I guess, sort of press ganged into uh, working as a part of. It's it's macabre and horrific, but it, it seems like this macabre and horrific corruption of exactly what you and and so many people do when they seek to tell stories of family and culture, but. The Museum of Extinct Race removes agency from the storyteller and seeks to reduce them to some sort of exhibit uh, and, and erasing them from history in that way. What were your feelings, though, exploring this idea uh, and the historical reality, reality of it? Well, 
I, I, I've not thought of, <laughs> thought of like that's actually really like quite fascinating to me. Um, I had heard about this idea of a museum of the extinct race, and the idea being that the Nazis were going to collect um, a whole lot of artifacts that they planned on displaying in this museum centered in Prague um, after they had finished their uh, their job of decimating and completely annihilating the European Jewish population. Um, I'd, I'd heard about that since I was a kid, and you know, I'd been to Prague quite a lot of times. I've, I've actually got quite a lot of family still there, and you know, you, you hear it there. You hear it, it, it's just it's part of Czech Jewish um, history, and it was for me kind of thinking that my grandfather was part of it was really it was it was mind blowing, and it was it was kind of scary. And it sounds wrong, but you also kind of think that there's almost an, an you know. There's an honour to it as well, like you know, that, that, that he should be someone who's viewed so highly that he's selected to become, you know, one of the people putting this museum together. Mm. But at the same time, like I knew that there actually is no documentary evidence of this plan to make a, a museum of the extinct race. So a lot of it was also me, I, I suppose, exploring and uh, uh, the question of whether. It was real, um, and you know, without again, without without going into spoilers, the answer is yes and no, mm. right? Um, what my grandfather was involved in was something akin to that idea, but the central idea is itself a creation post-war. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it just the, the layers of, of creation that kind of go in into memory into um, Building life stories uh, are just incredible. Like, and, and it's amazing what does get kind of taken on as 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 real um, and accepted. And this is, you know, this is it's, a, it's actually a really really fraught area because you know as soon as you, there's a small detail that people that, that you say might not have been right, people people then start kind of jumping on larger bandwagons, which are a lot more problematic um, to do with Holocaust denial and what have you. And, and I think this is, for me, one of, the, one of the central questions of the book is, you know, what is the role of the writer after the survivors are gone? Mm. You, know, is it, you know, do we have business telling the story? Um, or should we just be pointing people to, you know, Elie Wiesel or Primo Levi or, or writers like that who, who were there and can actually tell exactly what happened? And I think part of my... You know, ultimate kind of solution. I shouldn't actually use that term. Um, the ultimate decision was that was that that the Holocaust is beyond a doubt an an absolute fact. But that doesn't mean that you know you can't start looking into the taboos, looking into the um, the, 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 the finer details, because it has been turned into this monolith, monolith of horror, mm. and and. And there are also there are I suppose narrative templates that go with Holocaust stories, and and we're now in a position to explore it more deeply. And you, I actually think you you end up coming out with a lot more extraordinary stories mm. um, when you um, subject some of the the templates to a bit more scrutiny. Because while you know survivor stories do generally fit templates, it's only because people. <laughs> Um, who you know seek to tell them afterwards are kind of a bit lazy. They don't they don't bother really um, 
I guess, um, <laughs> revealing the, 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 the intricacies uh, and the idiosyncrasies of, of Holocaust survival. And, and again, as a, you know, as a Holocaust, uh, as a survivor said to me, um, you know, we all endured our own Auschwitz. And it's true. You know, they, these are incredibly individual stories and they're getting lost, you know, kind of in this swamp of templates. Mm, it's a it's a strange perversion of it's sort of a fact of our neurobiology. I I studied a little bit at university. I, um, the idea that narrative templates are are a part of our way of realizing reality, but it it yeah. as you say, it has this sense of erasure when you try and fit every story into a mold. Exactly, and and the thing is that like, had I just gone with okay, so my grandparents' stories were, were this, I'm not going to really look that deeply into them. I actually wouldn't have found you know, two stories that are, to my mind, far more um, extraordinary than the, the basic templates that I had going into it. Mm. Um, but I think you're right. Like, at the end of the day, people, it's, e- it's easy to just um, think on, you know, accepted lines and just, and, and, and I guess, you know, smooth out the edges and what, and what have you, because otherwise you'd go mad considering every detail of every particular story. Mm. And so the Book of Dirt was released in late August. It feels sort of strange to be discussing your novel of the Second World War only weeks after images of, of Nazis actually flooded or people yeah. wearing yeah. the iconography flood our news. The spectre of fascism seems ever-present. Are you, are you surprised that your book has emerged in an environment that seems kind of poised to echo the world that your grandparents grew up in? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that to me is, is, is just, um, like such a, such a, such a, a strange, <laughs> strange kind of moment in time to, to be, as you said, like re- releasing the, the book. Uh, like, I remember my grandfather saying, being concerned about kind of the increase of, 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 of just, you know, right wing, uh, um, general kind of, um, chatter, for want of a better term, mm-hmm. and, 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 and the beginnings of you know neo-nazism and what have you and like to see it now in really you know in western democracies um where because you know everyone always said oh you know the thing with 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 germany the reason it was so surprising the holocaust is germany was you know we're a refined western um you know sophisticated country um and so you know, that it, that it happened there is 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 incredibly scary, and now I'm seeing it. <laughs> you know, the rise of this extreme right in countries that, to me, are similar mm. to uh, uh, you know to what Germany was, um, and, and and it is frightening. But it, but I, like it does seem incredibly timely to have a book that addresses it, that that looks at it, um, that 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 actually challenges it, and hopefully highlights the, the, the horrific places it can lead to. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of, it's kind of scary because I, like I'm looking, I'm looking at what's happening and I'm looking at what I've written and the parallels are really astounding. I'm speaking with Bram Presser. His novel is The Book of Dirt. You might have gotten the sense from our conversation that this is an absolutely fantastic book that it, it's really hard to encapsulate in such a short conversation, so I suggest you get out and read it yourself. Bram, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this great conversation with Bram Presser. Bram's novel is The Book of Dirt, and it's out now through text publishing. 
Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. If you want to hear more great conversations from Final Draft, just hit subscribe in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. To keep up with the latest books, writing and literary culture, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. My name is Andrew Popel, and I'll be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft.